Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write to you again about this is no trouble for me and is a protection for you. Watch out for dogs. Watch out for evil workers. Watch out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, the ones who serve by the Spirit of God, boast in Christ Jesus, and do not put confidence in the flesh. Although I once also had confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has grounds for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew born of Hebrews. Regarding the law, a Pharisee. Regarding zeal, persecuting the church. Regarding the righteousness that is in the law, blameless. But everything that was a gain to me, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I also consider everything to be a loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them filth so that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. My goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Not that I have already reached the goal or am already fully mature, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. And therefore, all who are mature should think this way. And if anyone thinks differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Join in imitating me, brothers, and observe those who live according to the example you have in us. For I have often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. And their glory is in their shame. They are focused on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, from which we eagerly wait 
for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject everything to himself. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power and the truth of scripture that speaks to us. Thank you for the challenge and, in Kara's case, the success of hiding God's word in our heart that we might not sin against you. May we be challenged and encouraged this morning by your word, I pray. May your, may your Holy Spirit uh, work through what I say and may, may all those out there listening, may they hear what you have to say to them, not what I have to say. I pray this in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. Well, good morning, Cornerstone. Good to, good, good, good. To, I was going to say good to see you all. I don't see any of you, but uh, it's good to be together with you. Um, thank you, Kara, for, for memorizing the book of Philippians. Wow, God's word is so powerful and so beneficial. I've been working on memorizing the text that I'm preaching today and with very limited success, I might add, uh, but it's still so good to be going over and over and over God's word, and that's that's the, that's, that's the benefit, that's the idea, that's the value. So, wow, that was so, so powerful. Uh, we're continuing in the book of Philippians today. If you're uh, somewhere where you have a Bible, uh, open it to chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3. Last week, Christian shared with us from Philippians 2 about Timothy and Epaphroditus, these two men that helped Paul, and, and men that were worth imitating. They were, they were godly men, they were good helpers, they were brothers, and they were... Uh, uh, men whose example others could look at and follow. Uh, Christian challenged us to look for those people in our lives uh, that we can imitate, that we can look at as that kind of an example. Not just place on a pedestal and admire them, but, but actually follow their example as they follow Christ. Next week, uh, we're going to continue in chapter 3. Todd will take us to the, to the rest of the chapter. And I just want to jump ahead to chapter 3 and verse 17, where Paul says, Join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So there's, Paul, Paul is saying, imitate these, these, my helpers, Timothy and Epaphroditus, and imitate me. But today in our text is, is 3, 1 through 11. We're going to see an example of those whom we should not imitate uh, a glaring example of, of, of a negative, uh, imi- uh, not those that we should imitate. That's what I'm trying to say. Uh, Christian warned us last week that we should uh, not just look for people that agree with us, but look for people whose walk with Christ is godly and they are truly following hard after Jesus. And then, and then imitate them. People that are confident in their walk with Christ such that we can put our confidence in imitating them. Now, I want to look at this word, confidence. Uh, Paul uses this word three times in, in verses three and four. And uh, I just let me read those verses and just see this, this word, confidence. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Now, this, this word confidence that Paul uses here, 
Putting our confidence in something or someone means that we trust them or we rely on them. It has the idea of being convinced about something. If you're, if you're convinced that something or someone is right and is accurate and is worthy of following, then you put your confidence in that thing or in that person. And then that is a person that you will want to imitate. For example, let me illustrate this. If, if I am persuaded that President Trump is the solution to all of our problems, then my confidence will be in President Trump, and I will imitate an avid supporter of Trump or maybe even Trump himself. On the other hand, if I'm persuaded that Joe Biden is the best solution to all of our problems, then my confidence will be in Joe Biden, and I will imitate an avid Biden supporter or maybe even Biden himself. But... Let's bring it home. If I am persuaded that Jesus Christ is the best solution to all of our problems, then my confidence will be in Christ and I will imitate avid followers of Jesus and even Jesus himself and put no confidence in the flesh but in Christ alone. So what does Paul mean when he talks about the flesh? Put no confidence in the flesh. Well, back in Romans 8, when we were studying that chapter, we talked a lot about the flesh versus the spirit. There we learned that the flesh refers to a mindset and attitudes that are contrary to God and his ways. One commentator described the flesh as the ultimate self-centered expression of life. It's self. It's the sinful me. Um, it's, it's all of this stuff inside me that just wants to seek my own good and my own, my own best interest. And and, and the, the sinful me that can take even good things and place them above God and take over his place. So in our text this morning, Paul is going to talk about two options for where we can place our confidence. The first option is that we can put our confidence in the flesh, in that mindset that's contrary to God, in self, in me, and my achievements, and my accomplishments, and, and how great I am, and all the stuff that I have, and that's, that's the first option. The second option is we can put our confidence in Christ and we can glory in him and, and depend on him. And of course, the right answer is placing our confidence in Jesus Christ, in Christ alone. And, and then find others who are doing the same thing and imitate them in their walk in life. So let's look at these two options this morning for where we can place our confidence. First of all, we could put our confidence in the flesh. Now, we need a little background here to understand this. Apparently, the Philippian church was being threatened by some, some Christians, uh, some other believers, as far as we know, called Judaizers. Uh, these were people who demanded that they stick to some of the old Jewish rituals, like circumcision, in order to be fully, fully saved. And, and Paul is coming out strong against them. Listen to his words in verses 2 and 3. He says, look out for the dogs, look out for the evildoers, look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Very strong language here. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. He comes out with guns blazing here. He calls these Judaizers dogs and evildoers and those that mutilate the flesh. And he, he sort of spits out these three commands. Very strong language. Do not put your confidence in these because the flesh cannot, will not ever save you. In contrast to Timothy and Epaphroditus, who, who are great examples 
and great models of Christ-likeness that we can and should imitate, these Judaizers need to be rejected. Do not put your confidence in them. Do not follow their example because they are elevating the works of the flesh to the place that belongs to Christ alone. Now, Paul goes on in verse 4 to explain that he has great reason to, to boast in the flesh and to put confidence in the flesh. He has all kinds of his own achievements that he can, can put out there and say, look at, look at me, look what I could boast in. So let me read 4 through 6 here. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also, if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Paul was the epitome of a good Jew. His pedigree was impeccable. He calls himself blameless as to how he obeys the law. He has a lot to boast about. He has all the right credentials, all the best human accomplishments. Uh, I suppose if he were in Simi Valley, if he lived in Simi Valley today, he would say things like, I go to church every week, at least back when we had church. But now he watches all of the live streams that Cornerstone puts out, uh, some of them even twice. I tithe exactly 10% of all my income. I serve in children's ministry. I'm on a home front team and I lead a community group. He's got all the right credentials or all the right accomplishments or achievements. Now, there's nothing wrong with those things. In fact, those things are great things. They're good things. But all of, all of Paul's credentials, all of the good Christian churchy things that we do are a total loss if we rely on them for our own benefit, if we boast in them to make ourselves look good, if we place our confidence in those things in those human achievements, rather than Christ, then there's, it's the flesh. It's the flesh. And Paul says, put no confidence in the flesh. He sees these things as a loss of no benefit compared to knowing Jesus. He uses accounting language here, in, in, starting in verse 7, the idea of gain versus loss. When he says, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. All this gain in his achievements and his accomplishments was a loss compared to knowing Christ. Indeed, I count everything, verse eight, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Wow. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, all these things, and count them as rubbish, garbage, trash. We have a lot of, we have a lot of gains on the flesh side of the ledger, don't we? We live in America. We live in Southern California. I mean, we just had an outside service out in the parking lot, and it was beautiful weather. You can't do that in a lot of parts of the country, but we can do it here. With all the problems America has, all the problems Southern California has, it's still amazing. We have plenty of food to eat. We have cars to drive. We have great health care. We're comfortable. I was looking around our house this week as I was thinking about this idea of comfort and I realized that Dawn and I have five Lazy Boy recliners in our house for two of us. And then as I was, I was, as I was reviewing my notes last night, I realized I missed one. We have six Lazy Boy recliners in our house. We like our comfort, don't we? We want to be comfortable. 
Yet with all we have lost, we still have so much. But the question is, are we putting our confidence in all those things that we have? Are we so intent, are we so focused on what we have lost? And I would agree we've lost things. Life is full of loss. But are we so focused on what we've lost that we forget what we still have? And if so, might that be an indicator that we're placing way too much confidence in our comfort in the wrong things? Jesus said in Matthew 16, 26, for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? Same word that Paul uses, that word gain. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? There's no profit, there's no gain. Jim Elliott is a young missionary. He was murdered in the jungles of Ecuador. He was a young guy in his 20s. Uh, trying to reach this tribe of people, give them the gospel to Jesus. And they killed him. But prior to that, as he was carving out his philosophy of life to live for Christ, he said this, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. We can't lose Jesus. We can't lose that relationship we have with him. We lose everything else, everything else that we've worked for or that we have or that we possess or that we think we own or all of our achievements or accomplishments, we lose those. My dad used to say that you don't see U-Haul trailers behind a hearse. You can't take it with you. So to give all that up is not foolish, it's wise that we gain Christ. These fleshly things, they're not just a loss. Paul calls them rubbish and this word rubbish here, it means street filth or manure or dung. It's a very strong, kind of almost inappropriate word. It says all this stuff that we can put our confidence in is garbage. It's rubbish. So where are we putting our trust and our confidence today? What kind of people and voices and maybe fleshly things are we imitating? You know, there's so many voices out there about COVID and about government and about stealing elections and about this doctor and that conspiracy and masks are good for you and masks are bad for you. And who do you trust? Where do you put your confidence? Do you trust yourself to, to evaluate all this data? I don't. I'm not a doctor. I have no medical background. I, I, I can read this stuff, but I don't know who to trust. Do I, do I trust my own opinion? Well, I think, well, that's kind of dumb because who cares what I think? So what person, what podcast, what website, what YouTube are, are we trusting to understand what's really going on? Where are we putting our confidence? Or are we trusting God's word to give us perspective? I want to imitate someone who places their trust in God's word. As one person put it in an email to me this week, he said, we need to, and, and I quote, simply be obedient to the word. Yes, just be obedient to the word. In, in times like these that are so confusing, and I would argue, well, it's always, life is always confusing, but maybe this is a little more confusing than normal with, with so many opinions and so many ideas about who's right and who's wrong and what do we do and where do we go. I want to suggest that maybe the best thing we can do is go back to the basics of the spiritual life. Absorb scripture, read it, 
Listen to it. Study it. Spend time praying, maybe fasting. Listen to worship music. Let the words, good words of good music get into our heads. When people are arguing and complaining, point them to Jesus. Share Jesus. He's the only hope. Imitate Kara, Kara Pearson today, and, and challenge yourself to memorize large portions of Scripture. What a great thing to spend our time doing. Serve other people. Give. I heard this week that social media use has quadrupled in the last few months. I wonder, has Bible reading quadrupled in the last few months? Has by, is, is the time we've spent in prayer quadrupled? It, sh, it, should, it should increase, I don't know what eight means, but twice quadrupled. It, it, we should be spending gobs of time just getting to know Jesus in, in his word. So the first option that Paul lays out here is to put our confidence in the flesh. And of course, Paul shoots down that as, as not a good option. And he makes it clear that the second option is where we should go, and that is we should put our confidence in Christ, in Christ alone. Now, this is not a matter of, okay, I'll suck it up, and I'll place my confidence in Jesus, and okay, instead of the flesh, that's what I'll do. No, no. When, when we put our confidence in Christ, the gain is infinite. It's eternal. Nobody can take it away. It brings peace and joy. We gain what we cannot lose. Man, that's good. Listen, listen to Paul starting in verse 8 of Philippians 3. In order that I may gain Christ, gain him and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So, so what, what Paul's saying here is, I'm not going to trust myself to make things right. I'm going to trust God to make things right because I can't make things right. That's the flesh. That's trying to do all these right things that is simply the flesh. Verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul considers all his gains from the flesh as loss, as rubbish, as worthless in comparison to gaining Christ. I mean, what is it? What good is it to gain the wealth of the world and lose my soul to eternal separation from God? That's no good. That's loss. That's rubbish. Paul makes it clear in this text that we can know God. We can have a relationship with Jesus. Verse 8, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Verse 10, that I may know him. Knowing Jesus is the most important, critical thing we can ever do in life. It is of surpassing worth, Paul says. We can only have confidence in someone to the extent that we know them. So as we get to know Jesus better and better and more and more, we have greater and greater confidence and trust in him. But it's only that all that really matters is knowing him. And then we place less and less confidence in the flesh. Steve Lawson is a, a professor at the Master Seminary uh, out in the valley. And I saw this post this week. Yeah, I spend a little bit of time on social media, but, you know, not much. But I saw this post. 
He says this, I do not need to know everything that is going on in the world. I simply need to know God. Wow, that's so good. I do not need to know everything that is going on in the world. I simply need to know God. But you know, I would love to know some of what's going on in the world. Dawn and I were talking this week and I told her, I I would love to peek at the list, and I don't think God keeps a list, but a list of the things that God is doing all over the world because of this pandemic. I would love to just see a little bit of what is going on there. I see a little bit in my life. I see a little bit in other li- others' lives around me. But you know what? I don't need to know that. I just need to know God. J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God, says that in light of the knowledge of God, which we have come to enjoy, Past disappointments and present heartbreaks don't matter. In light of the knowledge of God, stuff doesn't matter. I mentioned this book in my devotional a couple weeks ago on Tuesday evening. I I would just just tell you again, get that book and read it. Knowing God by J.I. Packer. So is our confidence in the flesh or is it in knowing God? Are we imitating those that know God well? Let me talk to parents for a minute. You know, like it or not, our kids are imitating and will imitate our way of life. It's a sobering thought for sure. Uh, One of the the heaviest burdens of parenting was to realize my kids are going to grow up and they're going to imitate my faults. And I can only pray that they imitate more of the good things than more of the bad things. But regardless, our kids will imitate us. So parents, are you... Living in such a, such a way that your kids have an example of placing confidence in Christ and not the flesh? Or are you modeling attitudes and mindsets that are contrary to God and his ways and, and putting confidence in the flesh? When there are questions about the world, about problems, about what's going on out there, Dad, what, what's, Mom, what's, what's happening out there? Do your kids see you reaching for the Bible To get answers? Do your kids see you spending time in prayer for our leaders and our president and our governor? Or do they see you rant and rave about conspiracies or how unfair everything is? One of the most powerful images and memories I have of my dad is getting up in the morning, and he was always up earlier than the rest of us, but when I was up that early, I could see him out in the living room kneeling at a chair praying. It's, It's as vivid today as it was 50 plus years ago. That's an imitation. That's someone I want to imitate. That's an example I want to model myself after. And I I trust my kids saw me do the equivalent. And let me talk to kids and students for a minute. Are you looking for examples of older students or adults that you can imitate? Men and women that follow hard after Jesus? Is that who you're looking up to? Or are you putting your confidence and your trust in in YouTube celebrities and athletes and activists out there? Let's look for the right examples to imitate. Paul wraps up this section in verses 10 and 11 when he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. You want a place to put your confidence? When we know Jesus, we have resurrection power. 
The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. And because he lives, I live. Only the power of the resurrection is able to conquer death. And only that power can transform all the sin and the ugliness and the confusion and the chaos and the messed up lives that are out there. That resurrection power gives us the ability to share in the sufferings of Christ. Paul wanted to imitate Christ in every way, including his suffering. Paul's suffering for Christ produced an intimate fellowship with him, created an even greater confidence that this is someone I could suffer for, this is someone I could live for, this is someone I could die for. Everything else is loss, everything else is rubbish, but suffering for Jesus is life. When we suffer for Jesus like Paul did, all this other stuff in life just kind of fades away. And it pales in comparison. Priorities are brought into focus. Arguments about wearing masks or not wearing masks or having indoor services or outdoor services, they don't matter anymore because to live is Christ and he is worth suffering for. And we'll study the rest of Philippians 3 next week, but in verse 17, let me go back there again. Paul reminds us to keep our eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Keep our eyes on those. We need to ask ourselves this morning, in whom are we placing our confidence? Where are we placing our confidence? Who are we seeking to imitate? Moses was a man who did not place his confidence in the things of this world. I love what what the writer of Hebrews says about Moses in chapter 11 when he says, by faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He reconsidered the reproach of Christ. He considered suffering for Christ greater wealth than all the treasures of Egypt, arguably the wealthiest nation on earth at the time. He understood, Moses understood what Paul was talking about. All the stuff of this world is total loss, it's rubbish compared to the surpassing worth of knowing God, knowing Christ Jesus, his Lord, knowing Jesus, our Lord. Don and I knew a man many years ago, uh, still, he's still alive. Uh, he, he was a missionary in Europe and he, he led a mission agency for a while. He was a man that lived close to Jesus. And we would say about him that he smelled like smoke because he lived so close to the burning bush. Uh, the burning bush is, is back in Exodus where Moses encountered the presence of God and Moses saw God, took his sandals off and came close to the bush and, and we like to say that Moses smelled like smoke and, and we would talk about this man and we would say he smells like smoke because he's been so close to God. So let me ask, who are the men and women in your life that smell like smoke? What does it look like to put our confidence in Christ alone? Instead of fear, rest in the faithful one. Instead of anger, trust in the sovereign one. Instead of trusting my IRA and my savings account, rely on the great provider. Instead of relying on social media, immerse yourself in the infallible word of God. Instead of expecting government to solve, of our, solve all of our problems, trust the King of Kings. Instead of being convinced of a conspiracy, be convinced that God is in control. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that we can put our confidence in you. Thank you that you are King of Kings. You are Lord of Lords. You are in charge of all things. And that when we cast away all the things of the flesh and that we 
put our confidence in you, we lose nothing and gain everything. Lord, may we ourselves smell like smoke and may we seek out those to imitate that smell like smoke. In Jesus' name.